Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ or just beginning to explore who Jesus is, we invite you to join us as we dive deep into God's Word and what He has to teach us today. So listen in as we jump into what God has in store. Uh, well, good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so great to be together today. Big welcome, everybody, here at our Franklin campus. Welcome to our online campus, and welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Live in Love. And what we're talking about is our dating relationships, our marriage relationships, but really all of our relationships. How do we live in love? How do we make the most? Because God wants us to have a great love life. God wants us to excel in our love life. And so what I've loved about this series is we're starting every one of the sermons off with an interview with somebody on our staff and their spouse and just getting to know them a little bit, hearing some of their story. And so today we have Jacob and Chloe Haddad, and we are so grateful for them. Chloe is our digital engagement director. She does an amazing job with our online campus. And uh, so you recognize everybody out there online. Hey, guys. So <laughs> they see her all the time in the chat and everything else. You've probably seen her if you're traveling. But they're amazing. And Jacob and Chloe, we're so grateful for you guys and your story. And Jacob and Chloe are just celebrating about two weeks or three weeks in to celebrating their one-year anniversary of being married. So good job. Way to go. One year. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about your story. Jacob, tell us how you guys met. Yeah. So we actually met working at McDonald's one summer in college. Uh, she was on the sandwich line. Go for it. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> She was on the sandwich line, and I was the grill master. So, uh, but a, a little backstory to that we actually went to college. We didn't. We went to different colleges in Kentucky, um, and we were involved with the same campus ministry. So that summer, we were actually doing a what they called summer project, but it's like a mission trip combined with a college age retreat. Um, so they plugged us into McDonald's to outreach to the community and learn how to share our faith, things like that. But we rode to work together every day, and I tried to play it cool all summer, and I actually had a huge crush on her, so I knew it. ended up working out. <laughs> it did end up working out. That's great. So, and then your story, y'all dated for a while, you're, you know, engaged for a while, and then you, you, now you're married, but talk about kind of your joys and challenges with marriage and your relationship. Yeah, like like Jacob said, um, we were pretty young when we um, first started our relationship. So I was 19, he was 20, and we had a lot of maturing and growing up to do, to say the least. Um, and so looking back now, I can be grateful for some of those, honestly, just hard years that we had in that season, because I think it really did set us up well for marriage. And I think we learned some things from those challenges. So for example, learning how to communicate with each other in a way that was loving and kind and not you know, disrespectful to the other person without even meaning to. And I think another thing would just be conflict resolution. We can both admit that was not our strong suit when we were dating and engaged, but um, I think God just really taught us how to fight well, as they say, you know, and to still love the other person well while, you know, working through how we react towards each other and things like that. So had we gotten married any 
earlier, I think any one of those things would be challenges now that we're experiencing. We still do, you know, have those challenges from time to time. But I think one challenge that we didn't quite expect was um, just learning to set boundaries in your marriage. And by that, I mean, we have really great friends, awesome families that love and support us so well, but learning how to protect our time or go to the other person before making decisions and things along those lines, it just really helps you learn to set boundaries and, and put the other person first, knowing that, you know, once you get married, that's your, that's your primary family. That's, that's your priority. And so, yeah, learning that has been, it's led to good conversations with me and Jacob and with our families, but just something we didn't quite expect. And then joy, I think we would both say is just the, the safety that you experience in marriage and just learning that's why God calls it a covenant or commitment is that you can come to the other person with your deepest worries and fears, your greatest joys and expectations for the future. And they're just going to love you through it, support you and just accept you exactly as you are. It's just, it's the greatest gift. So yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, how do you guys keep Jesus at the center of your marriage? Yeah, I think practically what we try to do is just start out every morning in Scripture together, praying together. Um, we're not perfect at it, but every day we start the day that way it goes a lot better. You know, having the day focused and started out the right way. Um, <clears throat> and then, just like she was saying, uh, being completely open with one another, things that we're struggling with and stressing us out, you know, things that we might be fearful about or excited about. Maybe it's, you know, people that are on our heart that we want to pray for together. Um, and I guess right now, one thing that she's done a, a really good job of kind of pointing this back to Christ is currently um, considering a pretty big career shift from a stable job to more uncertain um, so if you know where I currently work, please don't tell them. <laughs> um, but, and so sometimes I go back and forth, like, is this really the best idea? And she's just been there supportive of me, supportive of the move and done a really good job of pointing me back to Christ in those moments of uncertainty. And so we can then come together and take this leap of faith in this next phase, you know, with him at the center of it. That's awesome. Well, you guys, y'all are amazing, and we're so grateful for you, and, you know, just to see you walking with the Lord, and we love your family so much, and just so grateful for all God's doing through you, too, to impact all of us and online for Christ, and so thanks for sharing your story today. Let's thanks, give them a big Jeff, hand. So, yeah, great job. Great job. I love that because we all want real love, right? We want real love. We don't want it here today, gone tomorrow. We don't want what the world has to offer. We want what God has to offer, and God wants us to have the best. God wants us to thrive in this area. So how do we do that? How do we keep growing in our love? How do we have that real love that God wants for us? And that's what we're talking about today. So if you have God's Word with you today, if you have a Bible with you, I invite you up with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. If you need a Bible, we've got some Bibles in the back. They're free Take one, put your name in it, our gift to you. If you're online, you go to the Church Center app, the Rolling Hills app, you can find the scripture there. But we're in Genesis chapter four. Now you may remember when we started this series, the very first week, we talked about how God created the world and the whole creation narrative and how everything he created, it was good, it was good, it was good. And then he created man on the sixth day and he looked at man and he said, it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And so he created a partner, a helpmate named Eve for Adam. And he took a rib from Adam. That woman is an equal. She is a partner 
in this marriage, this relationship. And we ended Genesis 2 with God saying, hey, look at this, you know, and man going, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And, and, and they were both naked. They knew no shame. They were in right relationship with God, in right relationship with one another. And then last week we saw in Genesis chapter 3, what happened? They All of a sudden they sinned. And they said, God, we don't want to do it your way anymore. We want to do it our way. And God had put them in this beautiful garden and said, all this is yours except this one tree. And what do they do? They take the forbidden fruit. They eat. And now the sin comes in. Now the shame, now the guilt. They try to hide from God, which is what we do when we sin, right? And then they begin to blame each other. The man's like, well, it was her fault, God. You know what I mean? Like, really, it wasn't me. He didn't step up and man up. He's like blaming her, right? And then she's like, well, it was the serpent. It was Satan's fault. And the blame enters in. The blame and the shame in the relationships. And then we see the consequences that come. So Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I've brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now, firstborn is a key here because you see, they came to bring an offering to God and Cain's like, oh yeah, it's offering time. And he just grabbed some fruit, right? Some leftover things. But Abel brought the best. He brought God his best. That's what we can do sometimes, right? We bring an offering to God. Sometimes we wait till the end of the month. We're like, all I have is my leftovers. You know, here you go, God. And here's a tip. You know, but when God says, bring your first fruits, your best, our first 10% goes back to God. We want to worship him. We want to give him our best. And so that's what Abel does, but not Cain. Well, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So Cain's mad, right? He's like, oh, why did Abel give a better offering than I did, right? And he's like blaming him. Well, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do the right thing, I mean, come on, you, you can do that here. But if you do not do what is right, and I don't know if you underline your Bible, but look at this. Sin is crouching at your door. God's speaking to Cain. He's like, hey, sin is right there. It's crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Don't give in to that sin. Don't give in to that anger and that bitterness that you have and that resentment. Huh. But Cain didn't listen. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Like, what? We're only like four chapters into the Bible. and We already have the sin and the murder and the bitterness and the anger. You're like, what is going on? Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. Yes, you are. You're supposed to take care of people in your relationships. You're supposed to care for those around you. You're supposed to love. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you were at the ground, it would no longer yield its crops for you. You'll be a restless wanderer on the earth. There's consequences to our sin. There's consequences when we do those things outside of God's will and God's purpose. 
Look at verse 17. Cain made love to his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Majul, and Majul was the father of Mesalul, and Mesalul was the father of Lamech. Now look at verse 19. Lamech married two women. What? Yeah, Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zilah. You're going, what is going on here? Right? I mean, God established it just two chapters earlier. Now, all of a sudden, the guy's like, hey, one wife, I'll take two wives, right? What's going on? What is happening here? You know, sometimes you read that in Scripture in the Old Testament. You're like, well, they had multiple wives back then. Was that right? You know, like Solomon had 700 wives. I mean, like, really? Led to his downfall, too, you know? It doesn't go well. It's not what God designed. So when you read the Old Testament, you're like, oh, wait a minute. That, they're getting away from the things of God. Look what's happening here. But look at verse 25. It says, Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel, since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son and named him Enosh. And then look at this line. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. People saw the destruction that was happening, went, whoa, 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 stop. We're going to come back to God. We want to do it God's way. We want to trust him. Man, that's my prayer for all of us. That's my prayer for our country, for our world today, right? People seeing and going, maybe revival will come as we come back and we go, God, I want to trust you. I want to follow you. I want to be a man or a woman after your heart and do things your way. God, I want to excel in this area of love. And that's what God wants every one of us to do. So if you're taking notes today, here's some things I would love for you to write down as we come back to the heart of God, right? If you're taking notes, if you've got a worship guide, if you've got your phone or mobile device, if you're online, if you want to pull that out, there's a place to take notes there, a place to fill in some blanks. But I want you to see this. First of all, I want you to see today God's plan for marriage. God's plan for marriage. God designed that, right? You go back and look there in Genesis, how God created that. And so wherever you are in your life, you know, you are growing in your marriage, your future marriage. You're becoming that man or woman after God's heart there. If you're in your Bible, if you want to turn over to the New Testament passage for today, it's found in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. So you can kind of turn over there if you want to, if you're still taking notes. But I want you to see this today. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And it's this great church, but he's writing to them, and he's encouraging them in this area of marriage. Now, Paul was single, okay? The Apostle Paul, in fact, he said, hey, it'd be better if you were single. You could do more ministry and you could do these things. But I know God's plan, God's purpose. Many of you are going to be married, and that's great. But here's Paul being single, encouraging marriages to thrive and to prosper. See, no matter where we are, you're single, you're married, you're in the church, we want to encourage people to have great marriages. You're a child, you're a student. You want your parents to have a great marriage, right? You want to do everything you can to help them. The church wants to do everything we can to help marriages thrive. Why? Because you look in the Old Testament, 613 laws, and the first for all the Jews would say the first law, the first commandment is this, be fruitful and multiply. It's the way God establishes, it's the way it impacts generation. So God has a plan for marriage. So here's what Paul writes. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And a lot of people go, whoa, 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 stop, 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 right? The Bible's so archaic, right? Wives submit, no way. You know, like that, that's, what, you know, what in the world? Why would it say that? But a lot of people stop reading. But the Bible doesn't stop teaching. What the Bible keeps saying there is this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You see that right here in God's word. So God's plan is for wives and husbands to first submit to Christ. Submit to Christ first. Every one of us in our lives, right? Says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Here's the thing. If you think about marriage as a triangle, right? With God at the top. And here you are, your spouse is here. If you are growing individually in your relationship with the Lord, you're actually growing closer to one another, right? You see, you're far apart, right? But you are growing closer to God. So that's where you come back and say, I want to submit my life to the Lord first. I want him to be sovereign over my life. I want to trust him with my decisions. I want to grow in him. And you're actually growing closer in all your relationships, in all your relationships as you grow closer to God. See, God's plan is for mutual submission to one another. A lot of translations start this whole passage in verse 22, but actually it starts in verse 21, which says, submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. See, the problem that happens so many times in marriage is this. We keep score, right? We're all competitive. And so we keep score and we're like, well, you know, really, I'm doing 60% and she's only doing 40%. Come on, she's got to pick it up. Like, you know, you kind of, kind of walk around like that, you know, or like I'm doing 80% and he's only doing 20%. I'm giving my all in this thing. I don't know what he's doing, but over there, you know. And so all of a sudden the tension comes in, right? You know what I'm talking about right there? But here's the thing. Marriage is a percentage percentage. Marriage is 100%. Marriage is you giving 100%. You submitting to Christ and then submitting to the other and saying, I'm going to love you regardless. I'm going to be 100% in here. In fact, if you read this passage, the real onus is on the husband, by the way. The real onus is on the husband. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. God calls men in this room. God calls every man watching. God called you to be the spiritual leader. A lot of times you abdicate that. You're just like, well, she's more spiritual than I am. I'm going to let her do that. And I'm just going to kind of step back. And God's going, no, no, no. She ought to encourage you to step forward. And for all of us as men and husbands, man, we, we ought to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And, and I'll say this. I, I, don't, I, I know very few women who wouldn't be willing to submit to their husband if her husband actually loved her the way Christ loved the church. And for us to love so well, for us to nurture and care and love and to thrive. See, God's heart for marriage. You see God's heart for marriage. If you keep reading in the scripture, pick up here in verse 28. In verse 28, it tells us this. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, right? 
keeps going there. But he says, you love your wife as your own body, right? That's the kind of love that God's calling us to. See, life is all about love. I mean, really, you think about it. You're going to live in different apartments in your life or different houses in your life. You're going to drive different cars in your life. And we can love our car and we can spend a lot of time washing our car. But the fact is, you're going to have a different car at some point. Probably have a flying car at some point, maybe in your lifetime, you know? Who knows? There's going to be all kinds of things. You're going to have different jobs. Jacob's going to have a different job pretty soon, right? You know, but everybody's going to have a different <laughs> job, right? You know, so we, we see that. But here's the thing that lasts, love. Here's the thing that lasts, right? Love, your love for God, your love for your spouse, your love for your parents, your love for your brother, your sister, your love for God's church. That's what's going to last. That's what life is all about. And we get off track. We get caught up with all the stuff and all the material things that are here today and gone tomorrow. But for us to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I want to excel in this. Jesus was asked one time about those 613 laws in the Old Testament. He was asked, he's like, what's the greatest commandment? Remember this, this Pharisee, this teacher of the law comes to him. And, and what does Jesus say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. He's like, that's the greatest. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. Jesus said, I'll just kind of wrap this whole thing up for you. So I'll save you a lot of time right here. You love God and you love others. Two most important commandments. You start living that way and you watch your life change. You watch your life come alive. You watch the joy come alive. See, love is a commandment and not just a feeling. And this is where we get confused sometimes, right? Because feelings come and feelings go. It just does, right? Now, love elicits the most passionate of all feelings. But you can't command a feeling. You, you can't command an emotion. In fact, if I said to you today, right now, be sad. You're like, I can't be sad. Like, I'm at church. I love church. You know, like, I can't be sad. Like, yeah. I say, be happy. You're like, I'm already happy. You know, like, you can't command that, right? But love's a commandment. See the difference? So if you can command love, that means that, you know what, you've got control of that. And how do you respond? It's a choice that you make. Now, the struggle is, right? Sin is crouching at your door. Sin is crouching at your door. Don't think you're immune. Don't think, oh yeah, you know, we got it all together. We've got it. You know, I'm not struggling. No, 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 no. Sin is crouching at your door. There's always this temptation from the evil one. Satan loves to take down God's children, right? Satan loves to bring that in. And you just kind of go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't be ruled over that. I'm going to stand strong and stay faithful. But here's the thing too. Love takes work. Love takes work work. A lot of times we just think, oh, well, I got it. You know, I'm just kind of on autopilot and I'm kind of cruising along. No, no, no. You got to put some energy in. You got to put some effort in. You don't just say, I do, I do, and then go off and do different things. You keep working at that. You know, you keep working at love. In the United States today, the biggest percentage growth of people getting divorced is in the age group of the boomers. It's called the gray divorce. You're like, what? I mean, come on. You people have been married like 20, 25, 30 years. I mean, like, what is going on, you know? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. You stopped working at it. You stopped working at it. All of a sudden, kids come along and, you know, kids' activities and sports, and you're like, okay, you're taking them this way, you're going this way, and then you're like, okay, you know, and then you never even see each other. And then all of a sudden, the kids graduate. And you kind of look over and you go, who are you? 
I mean, we've been sharing a house, but, you know, like, I mean, we haven't been working on this deal, and, and, and I don't even know you. And wow. And the wake-up call is for us to say, well, no, 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 i got to work on it now. <laughs> I want to grow. I want to have a great love till death do us part. I was there. I said that, right? I want to make it great. But it takes work. It takes time. Take scheduling date nights. Who has time for that, right? Well, you better find it because, you know, it's like, it's important. Who has time to write little notes? Well, you better find it. I'm telling you, send a text. You know, it, it's important. It's important. Jesus said, greater love than no one's than this and to lay down your life for your friends. See, greater love is to lay down our life for somebody else. That, that's real love, right? That I'm willing to sacrifice. And why did Jesus lay down his life? To meet our greatest need. And what was our greatest need? We were dead in our sins and our transgressions, right? When Genesis 3 happened and they sinned, God already set the motion and plan to redeem mankind, but it was going to cost him his son. And Jesus went to that cross to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins. Praise be to God. You know, when you meet somebody's needs, you're sacrificing. You're, you're sacrificing to meet that need. You're encouraging them. You're helping them. But that's the way you grow. That's the way they grow. That's the way love grows is in the middle of us meeting needs around us. I'm going to give you a little life hack today. This is bonus material. Okay, so if you're taking notes, I'm telling you, it is, is, is big. It's helpful. Write it down. Here's some good things. There was this guy, Dr. Willard Harley, and a psychiatrist, and he studied couples for 15 years studied thousands of couples. And he wrote a book called His Needs, Her Needs. Okay? His Needs, Her Needs. And, and he studied all these couples, did all the research, all the study, and I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version today so you can write this down for you. But here it is. Top five needs of most men, top five needs of most women. Okay? So if you're married or if you've got siblings or if you've got people in the house and kids, here's some things to know. Top five needs of most women. Number one is this. Affection. Affection. Isn't that interesting? And he defines that as non-sexual touching, right? A lot of times we're like, oh, I'll give you a hug as we lead upstairs. But they're like, no, 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 no. It's just, it's just a hug, okay? It's a hug. It's a holding hands. It's a pat on the back. You know, it's just affection. That you care that you're there. There's times that Lisa will do that. She'll just, uh, you know, we'll be there. And she's like, I just need a hug hello, you know, <laughs> the kids are running everywhere. And she's like, here I am, just need a hug. And I'm like, yes, and I'll run over and give her a big hug. But you know, it's just sometimes that's the number one need. Number two need, he says is this for most women, is conversation, conversation. Now, most of the guys here, we know that, right? Women have a lot more words than men do usually. So, but that's important. So guys, when you get home from work and your wife says, how was your day? And you say, fine. That's not a good answer, okay? I'm just going to help you out right here. That's not what she was looking for. She wasn't going, oh, good. Your day was fine. That's all I needed to hear, right? No. She's like, tell me more. Just elaborate a little bit, okay? Just open up. She wants some conversation. It's a, it's a, it's a need. She has just a talk, and she's been at work all day, or she's been at home all day. She just wants some conversation. Number three is this, honesty and openness, Okay? For most women, just honesty and openness. Just tell me, just what's going on? Be real, be upfront, tell me. Well, we want all this with our kids too, don't we? We want our kids to be honest and open. Where have you been? You know, just tell me. 
because I've been tracking you the whole time. So I know exactly where you've been. <laughs> so you can be honest, but I'm on Life 360 and I can tell. So anyway, you just want a little honesty. Just open. Number four is this, financial support. Women just need to know, okay, are you trying? Okay, are you doing something, right? Are you helping out financially? And then number five is family commitment. Are you committed to this family? Are you in? Like, I just want to know, like, are you committed? The top five needs of most women. All right, top five needs of most men. Top five needs of most men. Number one, what do you think? Of course, sexual fulfillment. No surprise there. We're guys, right? Okay, so that was what he discovered. Number one, sexual fulfillment. Number two, recreational companionship. Guys just want somebody to hang out with. Like, hey, you want to go to a movie? You know, because I want to go by myself, right? You know, it's like, I want to go. You want to go to the store? I have to go to the store. You want to go, you know? Or do you want to learn how to play pickleball? You know, whatever it is, you know? But maybe you hate pickleball, but just play. Just try. You know, it's like being there, having a companion. Let's go hiking. Let's do something. Recreational companionship. Number three, he found, was this, an attractive spouse. Good job. You're all winning at that. Way to go. So great job. Number four, domestic support. You know, for most men, just, just knowing that, you know, and that doesn't mean that the wife does all the chores. I mean, this just says, hey, I've got support there. Uh, when Lisa and I got married, we got home from our honeymoon, and we were like, okay, who's going to do what chores? We're going to divide those up. And Lisa's like, I hate trash. I'm like, I'm really good at trash. I rock trash. I, am, I mean, I've crushed it, and I, I'll take it. I got trash. You know, I'll do it. I can't cook. She's like, I like to cook. Great. You cook, but I'll do trash. And for 23 years, I have crushed trash. I am so good at it. I mean, I've never missed a day. It's always out there. Whatever it is, just divide it up, work together on it. It's better together. And then number five, and this is a big one. This is a big one for guys. Top five need of most men, number five is this, admiration. Admiration. I'll just help you uh, ladies out on this one because guys, you know, we just need help sometimes. We just need to know that you appreciate us or you're proud of us. Uh, wives, if your husband, if he doesn't believe anybody else like has confidence in him, but if you have confidence in him, I'm going to tell you, he'll go storm a castle. He'll go do anything. I mean, just all he needs is your admiration. All he needs is just you going, wow, look at what you've done. It matters so much. Shante Feldman, she was a, a, she's a counselor, and, and she said the two biggest needs, right, for a guy it's just every day he asks this, do I measure up? Do I measure up? And you just speaking truth into him, and for women every day, will he choose me again? Will he choose me again? Men, you just tell her over and over, I choose you again. I choose you again. Hey, here, here's another thing. Guys, the words I love you, they're not implied. Listen, they've got to be said. And they've got to be said often, you know? It's not like, well, I told her on her wedding day, you know, no, I don't care. Like, I mean, you have got to say it often. It matters. You've got to tell your kids that you love them. You've got to tell them how special they are. You've got to tell your friends that you love them. I want to tell you, the world's going to say, get busy. The world's going to say, do all these other things, and you're going to miss it. And God's saying, don't miss it. Don't miss it. You can grow in this area. We can all grow in this area. All right, listen, God's commitment to marriage. You've seen it. God's commitment to marriage. He says right here in Ephesians, right? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Where did we see that? Genesis 
right? I mean, you went all the way back, Old Testament, all the way New Testament, and all the way to today. God is committed. God created marriage. It's his idea. It's his idea. Now, you could do it the way of the world, right? And it's like a struggle, and it's hard. You know, the way of the world, right? Elizabeth Taylor was married eight times. I think Britney Spears holds the record for being married for 55 hours. You're like, wow, okay. You know, so that's what the world is going to say. It's whatever you do to meet my needs, right? It's just convenience. And God's going, no, 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 no. Marriage is a commitment. Marriage is a commitment of love. And when you and I make that commitment, man, I want to love you. I want to care about you. Now, there's going to be challenges in marriage. You got two imperfect people coming in there. There's going to be fights and struggles. Chloe and Jacob talked about that, you know? I have some good friends, and whenever they get into a disagreement and it happens, right, we know that. But I love it. They always go, wait, 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 stop, 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 time out. We're on the same team. We're on the same team. We're working together here. We want to have a great marriage. We want to have a great family. We want to bless. We're on the same team. How do we go forward? Let's figure that out. We're going to be falling forward, right? Because we've made a commitment. See, to have a great marriage one day starts now. To have a great marriage one day starts now. If you're single, who you date, it matters. It matters who you date. I want to tell you, you've been dating clowns, you got to stop, right? It's just not, it's not going to work out long-term. You got to date men or women who love Jesus more than you. You've got to just say, listen, I'm going to make this a priority. And if you're dating somebody who's not good for you and they keep going, well, I'm going to come to church at some point. Yeah, right, okay, yeah. I mean, at some point, you just got to go, listen, I'm done. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to trust him. If you're like, you know, kind of being engaged, get in premarital counseling. Let's start this off right. Let's do this well. Lisa and I, we went to two different premarital counselors. I was like, we got to get this right. I mean, this is the rest of our lives, okay? The wedding happens like that. Our marriage goes on for a long time. Let's do this well. And if you're married, I don't care if it's one year, five years, seven year itch, 14 years, 20 years, 25 years, sin is crouching at your door. How are you going to keep growing? And it starts today, regardless of what's going on in the past. And maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe you've been through a struggle. Maybe you've been through a hard time. There's grace, there's forgiveness, there's mercy. But how are you going forward in Christ? How are you going to be like, I'm going to do it the Lord's way this time. I'm going to seek the Lord. See, all of history is going to culminate in a wedding. Isn't that kind of crazy? That's pretty awesome right? The church is the bride of Christ. So God starts with this marriage and God is going to end all history with the marriage. Being a part of a local church, being here, we'll all stand before God one day. The bridegroom, the bride, it's going to be beautiful in all of eternity in heaven. So let's learn how to do that right now. God's desire of marriage. God's desire of marriage. You know, he closes this kind of section and he says this. He says, guys, listen, this is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Because he's like, you love your wife as himself, but the wife must respect. It goes back to that admiration, right? That love, that respect that you see. See, God uses our marriage to show how much Jesus loves his church. And so in your marriage, are you sacrificing? In your marriage, are you loving? Are you offering grace? Our marriages should point others to Jesus. When people look at us, they go, wow, there's something different about your marriage. There's something different about your family. 
There's something different about the way you love. You know, it's just not like the world. There's something different about the way you offer grace and mercy and forgiveness. There's something different about the way you guys fight, you know? There's something different about how you handle disagreements. Yeah, we're not perfect, but man, we're seeking Jesus. We're loving Jesus. See, we think about love as transactional. You know, if you do the thing I want you to do, then I'll love you. If you respond to me the way I want you to respond, then I'll love you. (laughs) Oh, but God's love is unconditional. God's love is I'm going to love you regardless. I'm going to love you. And boy, if we got to that point, we just go, I'm going to love unconditionally. There's a great book called Sacred Marriage, and it says this, God doesn't give us marriage simply to make us happy, but to make us holy. God doesn't give us marriage simply to make us happy, but to make us holy. You know, that's what God wants to do in your life. God wants you to become conformed to the image of Jesus. And boy, your spouse is there, right? And sometimes they challenge you and they encourage you, they help you, but boy, are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you growing closer to God? You know, Lisa and I, we've been married 23 years. I love my wife. She's amazing. And and I can remember, you know, we, we dated, then we broke up because I thought well, I was going to be single. I thought I was going to be doing missions all over the world or something. And then, and then God showed me, man, I'm about to miss out on this amazing woman. And so by God's grace, you know, I was like, yes. And we got married. And, and I got to tell you, every year we just continue to grow. And I love her so much. And there's been challenges, you know, we have three kids. So, you know, there's challenges, right, in your life. But we made a commitment. And what I've realized after 23 years of marriage is this, is that Lisa doesn't need to be married to me. She needs to be married to Jesus. And I need to look more like Jesus. I need to love more like Jesus. We've realized too that sin is crouching at the door, right? There's temptations, there's challenges. There's things in our life where we go, oh man, we could be at each other's neck right on this. And we're like, no, 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 no. We're on the same team. And for however long I have breath on this earth, man, I just want to live it for the glory of God. I want to love my wife. I want to love my kids. I want to love God's church. Just God, I want to be used fully. I don't want to miss it. And I don't want any of us to miss it. We get one shot at life. We get one opportunity. Let's make the most of it. Let's live in love. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Well, I'm going to invite some of our A6, some of our C3. That's our kind of spiritual leaders here at church. I'm going to ask them to kind of move to the side. And there'll be some people down front. There'll be people on the sides. But, but we're going to have a time. If you want to pray with somebody, in just a moment, our worship team is going to sing a response song over us. And if, if you go, you know, hey, I, I want somebody to pray for my marriage. Maybe you're in a hard season. Maybe you're in a good season. But you go, you know what? There's some things I just want to grow in. Or maybe you're single and you go, hey, I just want some people to pray with me or to pray for me. I'm dating a person. Maybe they're not the right one. I'm not sure. I don't know where I am. Maybe in your life, you're struggling with a sibling or maybe you're struggling in a relationship. You just go, I need some prayer. And I'm going to invite you in just a moment to, to kind of move over to the front or the sides. It doesn't, we'll all stand in a minute so nobody's going to be watching you. It's just you and the Lord and your spouse. But I want to pray over you before we do that. So if you're sitting by your spouse, would you just grab their hand? If you don't already have it, you know, just grab it. If you're sitting by your child, would you kind of put your arm around them, you know, and just let them know you love them? And if you're single, and that's great, that's fine. Just put your hands out to the Lord. Would you just go, God, I want to be yours. I want to be in a relationship with you. I, I want to die to my own selfish ambitions. I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to trust you. 
So Father God, here we are. God, none of us are perfect, but God, we're all in need of you. We're all in need of grace. So I pray right now, God, that you would meet us in this moment. God, that you would search our hearts. Father, I know that sin is crouching at every one of our doors. And there's temptations. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's lust. I don't know. Maybe, Father, we're just frustrated. But today, Father, let us know that you are greater, that you are stronger. Let us know that you're a God who loves us, that you want us to succeed in this area, to have a great love life. I pray a blessing over every marriage, Father. Some are in a great season and some are in a hard season. I pray a blessing over every family. I pray for kids that will grow up and have godly relationships, that we can model that well. Father, I pray for every one of us to start with our own relationship with you and not blame anybody else, but Father, to find our worth, our value in you and you alone. So Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. Meet us in this moment. Change us forever because of your grace, your mercy, and your love. In your name we pray and we respond. Amen, amen, amen. So as our worship team plays, if you want to come, if you want prayer, there's people on the sides, there's people right around you can see. So let's stand together and let's respond back to the Lord right now. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you want to learn more about Rolling Hills, Download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.